All right, gentlemen, are we ready? Ready. Let's do it. Welcome to another episode of Geek Anthology. I'm your host, Neil Cordray, and I'm joined this week by the one true Ben and Mike. So apparently, I forgot to say and. Um, <laughs> it's a thing. And I said I am, I am joined this beak why too apparently, but we're gonna leave it in. I heard weak. I heard weak. I, I definitely said beak why, but that's okay. Y'all can listen back to it in the, um, and, and see if I was right or wrong. Um, so. From time to time, we like to step back and provide our bona fides again as geeks and speak candidly about what it is upon which we have been geeking out. It's a more free-form episode. It's essentially signal boost to the episode September 2021, at least as of recording. Uh, before we get Indeed. too far in, um, I do want to say I recognize there has been... A lot more schedule slip this year than usual. I apologize. Um, I've got I've got some irons in the fire that will hopefully uh, make it not quite so much of a daunting task to release the episodes. We are still recording every every other weekly, but the editing has just been it, it's been hard to to buckle down to. Um, so we are recording, and I'm releasing the episodes when I can. So please. Be, bear with me while I work through some stuff on my end. Um, we apologize for the inconsistency in the meantime, or at least by we, I mean me. Um, since this is essentially signal boost the episode, we're not going to bother with regular signal boosts. Um, consider this sort of just a general stuff that we would potentially that we would likely recommend, with the exception of me. But we'll get to that when I get to one of the things I've been I've been binging. Um, <clears throat> That you would not recommend? <laughs> we'll get to it. All like right. I said. Um, teaser. Because it's a little complicated. Because it's it's a little complicated. But uh, there still will be a spoiler week. Spoiler of the week, of course, and that is, of course, the pumpkin spice is upon us. Pumpkin spice must flow. Yes, indeed. Spans the consciousness and is and is uh, essential. Essential to uh, being basic. <laughs> It's it's essential to spice travel. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is um, space travel. So, who wants to start? Don't start with me. I figure we'll probably each get get a chance to talk about two or three things. Would be kind of the idea. But... Right. I'll kick things off because um, I have a a kind of an off and on mini obsession. Um, I've been. Super late to the party on uh, Slay the Spire, a very popular roguelike game. I don't know if you gentlemen are familiar. Good. I kind of figured Neil would be because I know you're into roguelikes. I am. But uh, yeah, I've got the Nintendo Switch version, and it's great to be able to just uh, grab the old Switch off the dock and just sprawl out and work on a run wherever, whenever. It's great. Yeah, I really want to get a Switch primarily for gaming on the go. But uh, yeah, it's really um, it's really interesting. I mean, I've never been like I've never been against roguelikes, but I've never really played them either, and never really got into that genre. And I'm starting to see the appeal. Um, of course, it's you know it's a card based battle game, tactical battle game, like card based, turn based. Yeah, it's also kind of a deck builder, isn't it? Yeah, it's a deck builder. It's uh, 
it's a deck builder roguelike. Um, I've always I've always enjoyed those like uh, deck building and uh, tactical RPG games, like both both tabletop, like physical deck building and like virtual um, tactical RPGs and deck building. So it makes sense that I love it because it's basically a peanut butter and chocolate mixed together yeah. for me. Because I enjoy the deck building aspect and I enjoy the turn based uh, RPG aspect. And uh, so it's cool because you know it's got like got the tactical in the sense of like your your play to play things where you're choosing what cards to play in what order and all that good stuff. And then it's got the strategic bigger picture where it's like okay, like what reward do I choose or what risk do I take or like how do I want to like you know what direction do I want to take my deck from here Mm -hmm. like when you start off a run you have that initial thing where the giant weird whale creature is like hey welcome back so what do you want and you can get things that are like a straight up marginal benefit like a small benefit or you can get something that's like a bigger benefit but you take a bigger penalty like you lose x amount of hit points to gain Mm -hmm. y amount of max hit points or like you you know you like get a rare card but then you also get a curse which is like a negative card that stays with you as long as you have it until you can have the curse removed by paying gold at a merchant floor or like coming across some rando cleric or whatever. Um, That's the other thing too, is there's like randomized events that you'll land on. So basically it's like, think of it as like a virtual game board um, where you have these spaces and you have little pathways that you choose. And that's part of it too. And as far as the like tactical and strategic decisions, because it's like, okay, I have X amount of hit points. Do I want to go for the elite thing where you know the rewards are bigger like i get a relic that could help me long term but then it's risky because i could really get my ass kicked and not have enough hit points to do this next battle or whatever so there's all this give and take so it's it's very engaging yeah the differentiation of each run is is what makes it more roguelike although i must also be a pedant and say it's not a roguelike it's a roguelite technically because roguelikes don't have uh don't have um carryover progression whereas if as at least as i understand slay of the spire you can improve like o- over time you unlock things and can improve your you know, like your starting scenario etc <clears throat> well i've played it quite a bit and it's true that there's unlocks like you mm-hmm. get you earn x amount of points then you unlock more stuff but it's like it's not necessarily better per se it's just more options there's like yeah. more cards and relics and there's stuff. more customization Right, Where, exactly. A, a true roguelike is every run is a blank slate, as opposed to you having like and and like and ev- but also everything is available from the start. I guess that's it's, really the only distinction. It's then, a is pedantic. That you have to do some uh, like you have to play the game a while to unlock some of the stuff. But yeah. Once you're there, which you know it's not. I mean, it's a decent amount of play, but it's not yeah. too terribly long. Also, the other thing uh, I didn't mention is there's like a. And you uh, unlock these as you go too. There's four different um, characters or decks, if you will. So mm-hmm. like each character has a unique deck of cards that you can earn and purchase and stuff. And then also you have like a starting relic that's unique to each character. Mm-hmm. So there's like the ironclad that gains uh, six hit points after each fight for their standard relic ability. And then there's the silent, which is this like huntress, ranger, witch doctor type lady and um, stalker rogue. A roguelike, if you will, huh? huh? <laughs> 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 it's all about flinging the daggers. Um, and her thing is that she gets two, she draws uh, two extra cards on each turn. Um, I like the way she plays. It's interesting, like seeing how crazy you can get with like the uh, amount of cards and like shiv builds, which are like little disposable cards that do a small amount of damage, but you can draw a ton of them. Mm-hmm. 
I love the shiv builds where you can like get a bunch of cards that say draw three shivs and there's cards that are like shivs deal for additional damage and you can stack them if you have multiple so you can get like these so, crazy combos going so if you're drawing three shivs is that dagger 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 <laughs> pretty much <laughs> and there's uh there's cards that can um that can also emulate the haste aspect of the vaxeldon mo because there's stuff, there's like relics and cards and stuff where you can gain energy, which is what you expend to use your cards. So it's basically like action points and Shadowrun or something like that, where it's like you have X energy and, you know, cards take Y energy. So a card could be anywhere from like zero to four, you know, energy, depending on how it goes. There's mechanics that can change the cost of that. One really weird one is the confusion status, where all the cards are just randomized on the cost. So that's weird. It doesn't come up that often, but when it does, it's super weird. That's one of the relics, actually, yeah. is um, like you get a benefit at the cost of, I think it's like you get an extra energy each turn, but like you have confusion the whole time. And that one just bothers me. I don't like the random aspect of it. So I don't, I don't go for that one. <laughs> I've been, I, I'm, I'm interested in Flay the Spire, but there are so many games that I have to play and I keep getting new ones like um shout outs to uh to an old friend from my college counter-strike days the first monk um he just gave me hitman 2 because he bought a humble bundle and already had a copy of hitman 2 so he's like hey you want this you want this copy of hitman 2 i I see it's in your wish list i'm like (laughs) i mean i'm not gonna say no to a free 60 dollar (laughs) game right that's so funny to me, like that. Well, I mean, hold on—is that a brand new game, and they just had the numbering, or is this like a remaster of the original Hitman Two? Uh, this is the so. If you'll recall me talking a while back, it's it's the second of the it's the it's the second Hitman game in the reboot that's after the reboot that happened in two thousand, I think sixteen. Okay, I so it is the. Games. It's similar to the it's similar to the Doom timeline in that it had a major major popular franchise that had a like reboot series in 2016 sort of um technically speaking all of the other hitman games are in canon with hitman one and two and therefore three they just happened off screen the first two missions are <laughs> prologues to all of the other hitman games and then after that you are a successful hitman who has had a long and varied career it's kind of complicated and weird, but it's fun talk about weird uh that hitman game from a while back i think when they were doing like the episodic thing for a while they had those like yes assassin nuns that was super weird um assassin uh, ass, assassin assassin nuns yeah <laughs> assassins yeah assassins um technically these are the games that were re- that were released episodically because uh i just didn't have enough money but they did well enough that reminds uh, me of uh... hitman 3 just came out like last year yeah, that reminds me of when StarCraft II is announced, and it's like, hey, guys, it's going to be three full-price games. But up, up, but up, up. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Now, granted, it was it, they were big, chonky games with huge mm-hmm. campaigns and stuff. Like, you know, it's not like it was a total rip, but man, were yeah, they I milking played, it. I played through Wings of Liberty and got bogged down in, I think it was the Protoss campaign after that. I got it. I never actually played the Protoss campaign, Legacy of the Void. I was just like, by the time... No, no, know, no, it wasn't like, Legacy of the Void. It was, it was. I got bogged down in the Zerg campaign. Part of the swarm. swarm. Yes. I never even got to Legacy of the Void. I played the first because Protoss has always been my. Uh, Protoss has always has always kind of been my jam. Zerg was my uh, my preferred uh, faction. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's like I told myself, yeah, I'll get it eventually, and when it's on sale or something. And then by the time it came up, 
on so i was just kind of like meh i've got all these other games i'm playing yeah i got the goatee version (laughs) um i got the goatee version for like 12 bucks three years ago i was like okay maybe i'll play these just play through the story mission speaking of uh blizzard that's an episode in and of itself with all the uh all the insanity with blizzard lately indeed should do an episode on uh you know various blizzard things the rise and fall of activision blizzard <laughs> is that the youtube video you're talking about there or are you just saying it in general no i i that i'm sure there is such a youtube video out there um yeah yep it's uh yeah it's depressing on many levels but you know that's what happens when you have a company where it's like the games that you grew up playing and loved like were designed by people that almost exclusively have left the company and it's might as well be a completely different company now yeah it's uh like you know, bioware well and that i mean that's fu- it's funny because like that basically happened with both <laughs> it's like the logical progression right of this frankenstein monster because it's like that happened with blizzard and happened with activision and then those companies <laughs> merged so it's like yeah. you know it's exponential stuff going on there Anywho. <sighs> Enough digressing for Blizzard. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, plenty of fodder this is going to be a digression. I know it's digression in the episode, but that's right. a large digression, so I do want to talk about this other is, things. This is fair. So um, I will mention there are there are two there. There's been four things actually that I can that I can bring up. So I'll take a couple turns here. We'll start with a very basic one. Okay. Um, I have discovered because that, pumpkin spice. Yeah, spice <laughs> on brand. <laughs> Shouldn't have even let that be the spoiler of the week. <laughs> yeah, basically. I have made a mistake. There's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with enjoying basic pleasures. By that the reminds me of the, uh, the Arrested Development. That oh, I've made a terrible mistake. Errors were made. <laughs> yes. Um, so um, I have discovered through use of a VPN that uh, I would that I would be more than happy to uh, to name if they want to give me sponsorship money. Um, because I do like their product and use it regularly. Um, that uh, series uh, nine, ten, and eleven of Taskmaster, the show that the British show that I won't shut up about, are actually available to for, on YouTube in France, <laughs> but not in America or the UK or yeah. Ireland or Canada or Mexico. I finally <laughs> found it in France, and what's weird is it's not like dubbed in french there aren't french subtitles it's all in english just you have to move your internet to france to watch it also um through use of the same of of that same vpn i discovered a very very interesting phenomenon okay the state of utah or at the very (laughs) least salt lake city has its own netflix um Catalog. You mentioned this in a previous yes. episode. Yes. There are things that are available on US Netflix that you cannot get in Netflix if your if your uh IP is set to Salt Lake City. <laughs> Which just kind of flabbergasts me. Right? Um so I haven't I haven't gotten a chance to I haven't yet uh gotten a chance to sit down and actually watch the those new episodes because I've I I'd like to have Taskmaster running in the background when I do other things, but I'd want to actually actually watch this, the ones that I haven't seen yet, like for, for the actual enjoyment of it. And I just haven't taken the time to sit down and, uh, and do so. Um, another thing that I've been geeking out over that I can just talk about in brief is Costco. Um, there is now a Costco in, uh, in our hometown here of Springfield, Missouri. 
Indeed. And I've been there like five times since they opened two weeks ago. Huh. Um, <laughs> okay, obligatory. Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 super great. I, I love Costco. I bought a $30 bottle of bourbon that uh, I haven't been able to drink yet because it would interfere with some meds that I'm temporarily on, but I'm looking forward to it. I've just been there once so far. It seems like they had uh, pretty decent produce, actually. Yeah, they have really good produce. They have uh, they have um, they have good they have really good meat selection. They actually have like you you can actually see the people in the white smocks and the hairnets and they such have the meat carving up carcasses through a glass case, so you know that they're kind of legit with what they're doing. America inside it must be right. Oh wait, that's steak and shake. Yeah. Well, not not every not not every uh, grocery store can, can speak to that. Like, even if they have like a butcher or meat section, they might not be doing much on-site butchery. Costco definitely is because you can watch them do it. Um, their famous hot dogs are justifiably famous. <laughs> With good. I'll have to try one next time I'm there. Then. They are like they're really good. They're only a buck fifty for a hot, for a quarter pound hot dog and a drink. Wow. And it's all beef, um, and like super good. And you can also buy a sixteen pack of it for of them for thirteen dollars and take them home. I thought that was just the dog. I didn't know that's the that's the dog and the drink. Yeah, a buck fifty for dog and drink. Wow. And the CE and the used to be CEO, but still has a lot of uh, clout with Costco, um, has gone on record as saying. That if the price of that has if the price of that uh, hot dog combo ever actually goes up, that will be sign that will be a sign that he is dead. <laughs> well, it's good to know he's uh, not communicating hyperbole. No, no, like he he has he has literally said that in an interview that this will happen over my dead body, <laughs> and has and has also on record threatened to kill people over it. Huh. Um. Or in at one point, at least this this may be apocryphal, but uh, is in line with things that that are more reg regularly documented. He once uh, he once at least apparently threatened to completely tank Costco's stock if the board went through with uh, with raising the price by liquidating all of his stock in Costco at once. <laughs> Why is this such a hill that he's? Uh... Wanted to die on, like. Well, if I know, but they bought a hot dog factory to make to make the price work. <laughs> I mean, it's great and all, but I mean, good lord. No, I, I, I have no idea. I mean, they're good hot dogs. Don't get me wrong. I, I will, I, I will speak highly. This amuses me that that's like. But this is this my is... planting my flag. Yes, if God is my witness. I'll take the whole company down with me if you raise the price on this hot dog drink comp. I it's know such a peculiar thing to get all worked up about. It really right. is I, to be that loyal to. Yeah, honestly, that's one of the things I love about it. Also, Costco just in general treats its employees well. I want to say starting wage is like sixteen fifty an hour, and they have benefits. Um, like they they seem to operate on a philosophy of yeah, I think we've made enough money. Which is not common in America, shall we say? Yeah. See, I don't, I don't buy that because, uh, I mean, I think that's that can be that's part of the strategy, right? Yeah. I mean, 
you know, if you, <clears throat> you're, you're paying, you're competitive with like pay and how you're treating people, then you have retention and then you don't have to expend more money looking for more talent and training people and all this other stuff. So it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, don't kid yourself. I mean, it's there to make a profit. That is the point of business, which is not a bad thing, by the way. Yeah. Right. There's no, there's no business ever. Spoiler alert. There's no business ever just gonna make. Yeah, I think we have enough money. It's like, nah, bro. That's not how business works. <laughs> right. Or at least they seem to, they seem to uh, have a different sensibility about what builds value in the brand. It's all the same destination, which is profit. But there are different ways to to get mm-hmm. to that destination. And I think we can all agree that there are things that there are things that we, um, you know, there are ways to get there that we believe are preferable over others. Kind of like how we wax poetic about like, you know, microtransactions and how DLC is handled and all that stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we like to shit on EA. I mean, they make it easy, but um, you know, <laughs> it's like, that's an example, right? Because um, it's like, you know, there's all the big backlash about the uh, Battlefront 2 stuff you know all that and uh you know there's a lot of companies that were capitalizing on that right where they're like hey in our game we don't we're not going to do a and a b and c and they weren't doing that out of the goodness of their hearts they're doing it to snatch up that business right and yeah, to improve sure. their public image now granted there are some companies that are genuine about it they may have a particular you know philosophy or whatever like cd i can't talk cd project red cd project red has been like they have been that way like for so long that that's like realistic it's believable they didn't just kind of jump on the bandwagon yeah they've been anti they've been anti-paid dlc for uh, unless it's significantly substantial for a very long time Uh, right they they released a bunch of free dlc for the first three witcher games they did release some paid dlc for the witcher 3 but hearts of stone and and uh blood and iron were both essentially has blood and wine blood and wine yeah not blood and iron sorry um we're both really kind of essentially smaller they're like are, essentially mini expansions like yes. people are raving about the value that you got out of it so they yeah, were like they, more they than were, happy to pay some cash to get it and they're like this they, is like this yeah. is worth more than some actual games yeah you know? they wouldn't be <laughs> it, it 15 20 years ago they wouldn't have been called DLC. They would have been called expansion packs, like Diablo 2 Lord of Destruction. Which is still, to this day, one of the best expansion packs of all time. True. In my humble opinion. Speaking of Diablo 2. The rise and fall of of Blizzard. Uh, (laughs) Diablo 2 Resurrected is coming out uh, later in September. Yeah, I'm not sure how. I'm going to be... Well, I know you're a Path of Exile boy, so it's like, you probably don't care too much. Well, here's the thing. I loved Diablo 2. I played the hell so out of I. Diablo 2. Um, I got to the point where I had uh, I had a Boazon who could make hell bail runs in two minutes and twenty five seconds flat. Yeah, um, which is nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> um, but at the same time, Blizzard uh, screwed the pooch so hard. <laughs> With so Warcraft Three Reforged or whatever it was yeah. called, that <laughs> yeah. I am I am leery. Also, Blizzard hasn't had a very good track record of late. Man, sorry, How dare he's you? He's allergic to Blizzard, you guys. Evidently, uh, which is funny because I I loved uh, Diablo Two. Yeah. Also, the going back to Diablo Two these days, it does feel a little slow, but that's also because I'm kind of used to Path of Exile, which is a lot zippier. I'm I'm on the fence about it, but the main reason I'm considering it is because uh, a buddy of mine um, 
it Is would it be kind of like our a buddy on the fence about getting Diablo 2 resurrected. Oh. Um, a buddy of mine, um, like we uh, we started, we met and started gaming and stuff like after Diablo, you know, like after Diablo 2 kind of came and went, you know, mm-hmm. we were playing it. And we never actually got a chance to play it together. And the remaster looks pretty slick so far. And I have a lot of good memories of that game and yeah. never really got into hardcore. So I, I think that'd be kind of fun to try to like survive the rigors of hardcore together. But on the other hand, it's kind of like uh, still a game I've already played and it's not a must have. And I'm not really keen on giving Blizzard any money lately. So yeah. I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. I kind of feel like if like if he's really into it and buys the game, then I'll buy it too and play it with him. But like if he doesn't press the issue, I'm just not gonna buy it. That's kind of how I'm at, where I'm at right now. Yeah. So it sucks yeah, too because it's like it's a good game that I would like to play, but it's like it's like it's like the company, it's like Activision Blizzard is an albatross around it. You know. Yeah. It's weird because it's like it's a game from a bygone era that essentially isn't even the same people, but it's being put out by and funding these new people. <laughs> it's a very right. bizarre situation. So, and Diablo, speaking of Diablo 2 Resurrected should be, according to what I'm seeing, should be coming out on the 23rd of this month. Yep. So probably about a month after this episode comes out. <laughs> at this point, I'm going to just poke wa- poke jokes at, uh, at, at how bad I am at getting these episodes out in time. Even if I was like decided that I was going to buy it, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't buy it on release. I would give that shit a little time and see what happens. Cause Diablo three release was a complete clusterfuck. And a lot of these big releases don't have a great track record with being smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can get, you know, official like reviews and impressions of the full game too. I never trust this beta impression bullshit. Yeah. Right. So where yeah. were we in originally? What, what was your um, latest thing that you had mentioned? I had mentioned uh, that I that I'm uh, that I, I've, I've been go- I went to Costco like seven like oh yes times. Costco and of course right. you know Taskmaster they, they also sell um, like Costco is interesting because I can't, as much as I like it there there's a lot of things that I that I really like I I I like Costco enough that I need to buy a chest freezer <laughs> because they sell because you know they sell in bulk that's their that's their deal yep and I would love to buy some of the things that they would sell in bulk. Like, I'd love to buy their bulk, uh, like, they, they've got, like, this bulk, like, six or seven, like, five, it's, it's, like, four or six ribeye steaks for about 80, 90 bucks. Um, but I would need to be able to freeze some of those because I would not be able to eat them in time and live. Yeah, also uh, just, you know... Buyer beware also, when it comes to the bulk stuff, because uh, if you don't, if you wind up having to throw stuff out, then you're not saving money. Exactly. Yeah. And the freezer that I have is small and mostly full, so I kind of want to get another freezer just for being able to buy stuff in, stuff in bulk and freeze it. Um, but there are things that I have bought from them that I am going to go back to them instead of buying from my regular grocery store, which is things that I keep in stock anyway at roughly the bulk that they sell them at, that I can get at a third of the price um, at Costco that I can get at high V. Like, I pretty impressed with their uh, wine and beer selection, too. Oh, yeah. Um, that was massive. You want to buy a... Three liter, three liter bottle of Jameson for thirty bucks. I still love Macadoodles though, so you know. <laughs> see. That's fair. Anyhow, I, I, that that that's two of the four-ish things that I could talk about. So Ben, it's your turn. Okay, so right now I've only got a couple of things that I'm geeking out. Uh, one is a return to The Sims. Um, <laughs> I've started playing The Sims Four again, 
And I think the reason I really love about that uh, is I started picking up some of my uh, some of my characters from uh, various various games. So at this point, um, I am playing my uh, I'm playing my Marvel superheroes longtime character Lao Chi, uh, who is a detective. And uh, right now he is a detective. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, it's been pretty interesting um, to do that. Um, Lao is, you know, so basically reimagining a character uh, in the real world, you know, it's it's a useful thing for the writing side. I did it with Chance. And then um, uh, <clears throat> then the other thing that I have been geeking out about is, um, so a few months ago, you know, they had uh, Misfits and Magic, uh, which is, you know, Kids on Brooms, uh, yep. which is a Bria Iyengar, uh, who I love as a GM. Uh, she's currently running the Exandria Unlimited game on uh, Critical Role. As a fact. Yeah, yeah, that just wrapped up recently. They did uh, eight episode run of that, right? Uh, where she got to give Matt his first "How do you want to do this?" moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so great just getting to see that man <clears throat> be a player for a change. Like he's so earned it. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Plague is is uh, very laid back. Oh, by the way, one of the best uh, appearances as Matt Mercer as a player is a uh, a paranoia one shot that they did on Geek and Sundry. It's hilarious. I may have to go find them to find that one. Yeah, it had a great group all together, but uh, yeah, he was uh, fantastic. Um, but anyways, uh, so Dimension Twenty. Uh, if anybody, if any fans have ever watched Fantasy High, uh, mm-hmm. season one ended with the release the rescue by one of the characters' moms of the Seven Maidens. So this season, Dimension 20's season, is the Maidens, an all-female adventuring party. Um, so you've got Abria uh, playing the uh, playing the leader, uh, uh, um, Antiope Jones. Uh, she's uh, kind of a, an archer. Uh, uh, and then uh, you've got uh, Eric Ishii, who uh, you should be familiar with, Mike, from L.A. by Night. Indeed. Uh, she's playing Danielle Burks, Barkstock. Danielle Barkstock. Total eco-terrorist uh, druggy girl. Um, <laughs> oh, God, she's great. She's, uh, because if you, that girl is such a chameleon. I was so impressed. Because I watched her in Misfits and Magic go from, you know, this, you know, from they do a total 180 with her character. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, she has um, she has a lot in common with Marisha Ray in the sense that it's like she's a really interesting person and good role player. But like if she picks a character you don't like, you really don't like it. But then she'll right. play another character and you'll love the shit out of it. Oh, yeah. And, like, I, I feel she... like it's a great example with because uh, like a lot of people there were uh, there's a decent amount of people that kind of hated on. um well, I mean, there's a difference between hating on the player and hating on the character, right? Right. But a yeah. lot of people didn't like Keyleth, and some of that bled over, and people that were immature were kind of hating on Marisha. And then right. when she played Beauregard in uh, Campaign right. 2, um, that changed a lot of people's perspectives, I think. Yeah. And I never hated on her, but, you know, there are things like the character did get on my nerves from time to time. And, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I loved Beauregard as a, a character i thought she was a much more interesting and entertaining character than keyleth was yeah uh, and of course well, campaign it's... two is kind of a step up in in some senses i mean campaign was great and i'll always love vox machina but it was like right. it was their first campaign and they were like it was a lot of very like kind of vanilla like yeah mache like archetypes you know with the characters and stuff oh yeah two got you know it's a little more um yeah and erica and more interesting 
Yeah, and Erica did, did such a good job. I mean, she likes it. Um, friend of mine, I've uh, been talking about it with, you know, because she's the one who said, oh, have you seen? And I'm like, going, no, no, I haven't. It's like a couple days old. Uh, Erica just so completely looks so different from uh, from what you would expect of her. And the opening, the opening, you know, introducing her character, she goes on this total, you know, hippie eco-terrorist, you know, uh, just... You know, just kind of doing the. She so gets into the character, like going, "Ow!" Oh, you know, if I didn't know Eric Ishi was capable of something else, and this was all I saw, I would so think she was an eco terrorist. Well, she really, <laughs> she really commits. That's for sure. She really does. She really does. I mean, and uh, and then you've got uh, uh, Rekha Shankar playing Katya Cleaver, a half orc horse girl, who is just amazing. Uh, she was, uh, and uh, and then. Uh, you got uh, Sam Nightingale, played by Persephone Valentine, very extra sorceress. Uh, and uh, um, one of my favorites there is uh, uh, Penny Luckstone, uh, played by Becca Scott, who's just, who's the rogue with the big people-pleasing, you know, uh, big people-pleasing, uh, you know, concept. Uh, she's, and then um, uh, Austin Tasha Wallace, basically a dwarven cleric played as a Jersey princess. <laughs> that sounds funny. Oh, she's hilarious. Uh, you know, there uh and the funny thing is and then uh Brandon uh, Brennan is actually playing, you know, NPC playing one of the one of the characters. Um Brendan Lee Mulligan's a really good uh he's amazing. He's just good. Yeah, he, he so it's almost like he's a an alumnus of the Upright Citizens Brigade, Brigade uh, improv team, and yeah, his improv skills are friggin' legendary. I mean, oh yeah, so he, good he gave, at what he does. He gave birth to John Feathers, so I mean, enough said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the greatest NPCs ever, and it was all just happenstance. I love how right. they just completely upended a lot of the stuff he had planned, and then he just kind of rolls with it, and it winds up and being he, even better than you'd think. Right, and then turns it into some other shit going on. He's going, you know, it's like he just did that right there, <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah, my favorite college humor alumnus as well. Yeah, I mean he he's just amazing at what he does. You know, uh, one of my favorite NPCs he does is uh, you know it's um, uh, Eightfoot. Uh, you know, Professor Eightfoot. He's like, hey, one of my any alumnus of mine is is more than welcome to fuck my shit right up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like uh, he's you know he's just uh, he, he does a great job with you know the voices of the characters. Uh, so yeah, that I've been geeking out about it because this is one this is one episode where it is because I love the role playing aspect uh, and this this uh, I don't think they've actually gotten into um, physical combat yet. <laughs> uh, it's been two episodes in, but there has been conflict, and it's been amazing just watching that happen. Um, you know, and uh, you know I've also been watching Mice and Murder. Uh, through there with Rekha Shankar playing a, uh, playing, a, uh, basically it's all anthropomorphic uh, people. Uh, Rekha Shankar playing uh, Daisy Dumpster, a raccoon, you know, <laughs> who was a trash panda, and her southern accent is just, you know, is just over the top enough to, you know, to to sell it. Oh, by the way, uh, you I mentioned... I to play Pugmire. 
Right. Yeah, that looked hilarious. You mentioned um, L.A. by Night vis-a-vis Erika Ishii. Apparently, um, season five premiered tonight. Wow, so there's five seasons of that shit. That is amazing. There's about to be, yeah. Yeah, so there's already four. I mean, my God, that's amazing. L.A. by Night's the, the vampire game, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's a vampire yeah. fifth I edition they V5. I finished that. No, well, here's the season. thing. Um, they they do uh, they do it in seasons, and um, it was um, it was Geek and Sundry for like three seasons, I think, and then it they um, they they went off and did their own thing, and then it's like became part of the official like World of Darkness like streaming channel media thing, whatever. Okay. Isn't, yeah, isn't one of their YouTube what is one of their writers the GM? Yeah, that's like the head producer of uh, of White Wolf is Jason Carl, and he's an amazing storyteller. He has yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he has his own like energy to him. Um, he actually he did a um, he did like I forgot if it was like a two shot or a three shot or whatever, but it was like kind of a, a standalone thing with the Penny Arcade guys that was hilarious. Right, um, like, you didn't get me a link to the because I've seen the first three, three first three seasons. I didn't realize that I thought they were just done because I hadn't see anything else and i didn't really keep up with it so if one of you guys can get me a link to that i'd appreciate it yeah i can hook you up no doubt yeah drop it in because i'm i want one too uh but yeah i started i started uh i subscribed to uh dropout tv uh for dimension 20 and dropout tv just for that so yeah it's it's been it's been amazing watching you know watching the stuff that they've done is uh i i, I have yet to see anything that but eh, i'm not gonna finish this you know Especially anything that Abria or uh, or uh, Brennan runs, I've just been going, yeah, okay, sign me up. So yeah, that's most been most of my geek out this week. Um, well, see, so you present D twenty as this one thing, but it's like a lot of smaller things within one massive thing. So right, right, because yeah, counts Dimension for 20. a lot of bullet points there, really. Oh yeah, no, I mean, like, so Dimension twenty has there's all you know all kinds of stuff in there. Um, I, I'm I'm never going to get to all of it, but God, I love having access to what I can. Um, but yeah, so one of the things I love about uh, the seven, uh, you know, as it is that all of the players, including Brennan, have these big ass fans that are uh, that are specific to their characters. Uh, so uh, so uh, Erica's uh, because she's playing, you know, a hippie who's constantly a little stoned. Uh, hers says, "I'm so high," <laughs> and you know, it just. Uh, they, they all, and there's, there's a part, there's a point where it's kind of like a table thing where they all just snap the fans open. <laughs> uh, especially when Brendan presents a, a hot NPC, <laughs> but they all just get, you know, get over. Um, and, uh, it's, I said, it's, it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, also, um, I mean, it's, and it's got this humo- you know, hugely diverse cast of characters. Because uh, you've got a, a Genasi, a water Genasi in Sam Nightingale. Uh, you've got a um, a halfling, a uh, human, uh, a dwarf. Uh, Sentation's uh, the dwarf, Penny's a halfling, Sam's the water Genasi, Kachi's a half orc, Danielle, I think she's a human. Um, or she uh, Antiope's human. Um, and uh, here. Yeah, she's. Oh, yeah, so uh, Danielle's half elf. Uh, and it just this, you know, so it, it just I love how how these these girl, you know, these girl, you know, well, the characters are girls, but <laughs> the absolute grown up playing, them, uh, you know, have taken seven NPCs and just breathed so much life into them, you know, um, and uh, yeah, it's just awesome. <laughs> Get a chance. There's two episodes out right now. I'm just geeking out about that. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, one of the players is that this is the horniest group, horniest table that she's ever sat at. <laughs> so it's like, so okay. far, so far, right? So, <laughs> but I'm just seeing the that Simpsons meme. Huh? When you say it's uh, the horniest group so far, I'm just see, I'm just seeing that Simpson me- Simpsons meme in my head. Uh, okay, I this is you. the worst day of my life. This is the worst day of your life so far. So far. <laughs> so far. <laughs> it could get I, worse. I think my favorite Simpsons meme is still Homer disappearing into the bushes like the Terminator. Right. Yeah. That would be back. So. But the yeah, T one thousand specifically, of course. Uh T one thousand specifically, yes. Right. So, um, but yeah, I think that has been my, you know, my my massive geek out. So far, I sent you the link uh, in the green room for season four, Chronicle Four. Yep, excellent. But yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good um, comparison of Erica and Marisha because I love Erica as a role player, but um, her Annabelle character gets on my nerves on several occasions. Oh, in in Ellie Barnett. Yeah, and it's yeah. Like, I mean, she. I mean, a lot of it is intentional, but like, even mm-hmm. if it, it's like one of those things where it's like, uh, here's a here's a good um, analogy or example for me to you. You know, there's the NPR sketches on Saturday Night Live where they're like, hey, we just talk like this, very low and monotone. Mm, that's nice. Yes, good things. And it's all. And it's like they're trying to be boring, but it's like, okay, the end result is they are actually boring, right? Right. So it's like yeah. they're doing too good a job, right? So it's right. like <laughs> I feel like for being this emo, angsty, hypocritical person, like, yeah, she's nailing it, but I don't like it. So please right. stop nailing it. Like, yes. <laughs> you know, stop being so good at what you're I mean, doing. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you know, I mean, you know, character development's a thing and we'll, we'll see, but it's just like, I feel like, um, that phase of the character kind of went like a little too long. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, the, the vampire dad, uh, you know, needed to kind of be like, all right, ship up or ship out, you know? And right. It wasn't that, uh, wasn't that, yeah. Oh God. And was it that, uh, Taliesin, uh, Jaffe playing her sire? Uh, yeah, well, her literal vampire daddy, yes. I was more oh. talking about the surrogate oh, talking- father of B-Day, Wolf- B-Day Vulture's oh. character. Uh, yeah. Temple. Oh, wh- who, because yeah. Uh, although, you know, Taliesin's character, which, by the way, amazing character, amazing one-shot appearance. Taliesin's so good in that. Right. Um, in season one. But, um, no, like, I meant more along the lines of, like, the people that, you know, showed yeah. her the ropes of being a vampire, you know? Right. The core group. So, yeah, because she, you know, that, I remember that first season, she was very, very naive. And it sounds like the character just kind of stayed there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's some changes, but like, yeah, um, took a little, took a little too long in my humble opinion. Right. Yeah. So, but yeah, most of, most of that. And, uh, I ended up getting, uh, the, uh, the star Wars, uh, Sabacc deck, uh, here recently, uh, the, uh, and this one, this one in particular is known as the Corellian spike, uh, variant only 62 cards with dice. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun little deck. Um, and you know, in getting in looking for one, just because I wanted to get one, uh, I saw them. They're like eighty to a hundred dollars for the full collector's decks that you can get on Etsy. And I'm just going. Oh, By the way, that's amazing. another episode we should do is uh, discussing collectors' editions of things over the years. Like right. Video yeah. games and otherwise, you know, it's an exactly. interesting topic with fertile ground. Yeah, I wouldn't know anything good about and that. Terrible. Yeah, I wouldn't know anything about that because I did not get the Pip Boy version of Fallout 4 after... The, the in, remember the <laughs> the infamous Halo 3 cat helmet? You know, that was one of the things that we right. a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get the Fallout 4 uh, Pip Boy edition after I already had the original game for you. Uh, not at all. <laughs> well, Mike, do you have something else, or do, is it my turn again? Uh, yeah, I've got other stuff. Um, okay. 
although it's you know it's kind of it's more of the same in the sense that i'm still playing and enjoying final fantasy 14 and guild wars <laughs> 2 and guild wars 2 uh a lot um guild wars 2 uh it has a lot of like it has a lot of um like in-game events like seasonal stuff and celebrations and whatnot and they have like gosh there's so many like mini games and little activities and stuff i mean i guess you could say the same thing about final fantasy 14 but uh guild wars 2 it's almost like you know I don't know. It's like a whole nother level. There's this thing going on right now called the Festival of the Four Winds, I think. And there's um, <clears throat> there's this cool area where you can like you you go up uh, these like twisty, turny. It's like a mountainside village type thing. It's kind of hard to describe. But it's really interesting and cool scenery. And there's all these little items you collect. Kind of like um, a good example would be like if you ever played Crackdown. You know how you run around and jump around and collect all those orbs. You know. That or just anything like really Mar- stars and mario 64 you know whatever the case may be uh there's there's a lot of things like that where you you know you find little like um little hidden things and you like earn currencies and achievements and all that stuff there's these events where you like uh there's like world bosses and you know arena type things like all sorts of stuff it's just it's good because it's like anytime you feel like you might be getting sick of the game or something there's always something new to kind of come along and try or distract you uh, and of course, you know, Guild Wars 2 being a buy-to-play thing, you know, you can just kind of play when you want to and not feel like you're yeah. wasting your sub money or whatever, you know, when you don't feel like playing. I bought right. Guild Wars 2 a long time ago, but then realized I really didn't have the time to sink into an MMO. <laughs> well, I mean, I you could totally, the... Yeah, I know it's heresy for many, but you could totally be a filthy casual with Guild Wars 2. Like you can just hop well, on and do whatever you feel like doing. It's not the filthy ca- like, it's just I didn't have the time to grind through content like i don't know well, that's like my, that's my point though is it's not a grind it's just a well, regular not, game. not grind um that's not the right just invest the time in general you mean it's i'm trying to make words with my brain um, <laughs> make the words go yeah. make the words go make words go uh, i've been invested more and more lately in uh in story experience um and and well, I yeah, I get that that your that the events will have self-contained story-like things. It's still it's not a game that's really designed to end, and that's I've been having more much more and more difficulty enjoying that sort games that don't really have an end. I can understand that the the main story uh, of the game is actually pretty good though. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that, and it's also just like I don't know, MMOs don't don't work for me very well anymore. I tried Terra for a while, and it was interesting, but just they they don't hold my attention like they used to. I'd say FF14 has the best example, though, of the like solid central story, because their philosophy is that it's a Final Fantasy game first and an MMO second. You know, mm-hmm. so if you're you know if you're into the story and stuff, um, I enjoyed the hell out of the main scenario quest or MSQ as you call mm-hmm. it, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to the new expansion Endwalker coming out in November, which has a uh, pop trailer uh, which got all the great music tracks from over the years of the of the various like the core game and the three expansions to date um it's so awesome that they have uh um, the same composer you know umatsu i think um Dobuo uematsu although uematsu. i don't think he does the work exclusively like no no there's a there's a team but like yeah he's still a driving force and all that which is amazing after all this first time. 10 games he complete he did all the work um after that he like starting to get old um yeah well by the way now that there's all this like you know you've got youtube and social media and all this stuff like there's some there's some it's easy to find musicians doing their own take on some of those things and they're incredible mm-hmm. like the 
the instrumentals and remixes and stuff that you see like there's some really awesome stuff out there yeah. and by getting old i mean he he is 62 uh so like it's not super old but it's also maybe okay it's okay to perhaps pull it back a little bit and nobody's gonna accuse not do him all of, uh, the work slacking yeah right <laughs> dude's a freaking legend yeah there's been a workhorse no doubt uh so um i mean i can go on and on about yeah. FF14, but I got uh, you know I, I got two other things that I can that I can bring up a bit. Uh, okay, starting with um, segueing from what I was talking about earlier with I'm in love with Costco. Um, during one of my visits to Costco, I um, I thought it was just a might have one of your dates. Yeah, <laughs> I may it. or may not have purchased a PlayStation Five. uh Oh. And by may or may not have, I mean I definitely purchased. You definitely did. <laughs> yeah. um, definitely did. I have to admit, I am tempted because I, uh, with the, seeing that Final Fantasy 16 trailer, I was like, "Holy shit!" This oh, I haven't, I haven't seen that, but uh, Ooh, so good. I, I, I'm, I, uh, what I, so the PS5 I got came with a year of PS Plus. Um, so I now have Final Fantasy 15, at least until my PlayStation Plus subscription expires although the value proposition on it is really good so i'm likely to keep it um and i did this uh for a couple reasons um i also recently came into possession of a 4k television with hdr capability and this was actually this that i've had for a, a little bit longer so i wanted something where i could game at a level appropriate to my television yeah that's fair you want to actually utilize the mm-hmm. shiny tech that you already have and oh sure. boy <laughs> is it nice um which leads into what i've the thing that i wanted to talk about which is ghost of tsushima oh yeah i've heard really good things which is a phenomenally good game uh, i've been streaming it over on my on my twitch channel twitch.tv slash ring it on blue i i stream mondays fr- thursdays fridays and saturdays um shameless pitch yeah it's also my podcast uh, <laughs> well given all the times that we even all the times that we've pitched my stuff you know yes How many times? <laughs> and, and mike if you if you wanted to if you had anything you wanted to plug of your own i'd be more than happy to allow to do I was that gonna say, it's more of a plug than a pitch but yes yeah. right yeah um and it's very pretty um since i had a ps4 pro that i've had for a few years i got some benefit out of that um but it, i wasn't getting uh i wasn't getting solid frame rates and i was only getting 1080p only uh but i was getting hdr which was nice but with the 4k and the hdr it is just a monumentally pretty game it's just gorgeous to sit back and look at um and the combat is really engaging it's it's frenetic um it's hard it's it's once you get good at it, it feels good, but it's also kind of hard to get good at. Um, I hear it's like challenging without being cheap. Yeah. And the story's good and only somewhat anachronistic. Um, like the, the Mongols didn't have a Huacha that, uh, in fact, the Huacha was not invented yet. Um, in, I can't remember where it was invented. Um, during the, uh, during the, uh, first Mongol invasion of Japan because it is set during a historical event. Um, uh, let's see. Um, oh yeah. Also the Huacha was Korean, not Mongolian. Um, and, um, 
I bet you'd have some good conversations with my uncle. He's a retired history professor and was a Civil War reenactor. So, like, mm -hmm. don't get him started on, uh, you know, historical inaccuracies in media and entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> like, he he uh, mm -hmm. he tore Braveheart a new one, that's for sure. Yeah, also, yeah. the uh, the um, the whole, like, one of the driving story beats is, is about uh, sacrificing a samurai's honor for pragmatism and dealing with overwhelming forces but uh the honor that you are kind of sacrificing is pretty hard in line with the con with the concept of bushido um which didn't exist until the 18th century which the game set the 13th century so but you know. <laughs> no so there's well, so there definitely a bunch of uh there are a number of anachronistic well, hold on, though. i mean you there. could just because it hadn't been like mm -hmm. A thing officially doesn't mean that there couldn't be people that had that right i mean individuals or that, that had that kind of an idea that kind of a code or lifestyle or whatever sort of except really like samurai as as they are envisioned in the game didn't really like weren't really quite as much of a thing at that time either so it's kind of a package they... deal where they're already kind of like doing those anachronistic things yeah. so then it's like by extension it's like yeah we know what you're really going for there because you're already doing these other things right yeah yeah like, okay, there, there's a fair bit of anachronism in the game but it's still fun and they get one thing that i really like is they get japanese topography really well um yeah. yes they grew the island of tsushima um by a significant amount it's it's a lot larger than it is in real life because it's a real life place and it is where the mongolians stopped off for a day or two while they invaded mainland japan um as opposed to staying there for multiple seasons but um but it's it's one of the one of the sort of the one of the sort, sort of the uh, hallmarks of japanese topography is it's a lot of mountains and a lot of valleys and Boy, howdy, do you get that in this game? And it's just pretty. It's also, just you can pet foxes <laughs> and cats and monkeys and deer. Oh. So it's the best game ever. The cats purr when you pet them, and it gives me a little dopamine hit each time. <laughs> so nice. Um, <laughs> so I'm I don't I, I'm kind of out of the loop as far as modern consoles beyond uh, Nintendo Switch. Um, the PlayStation Five. Um, <clears throat> It, does it play all the PlayStation 4 games? Is it backwards compatible? Most. There are a few games that for some reason don't work on PS5 but only and only work on PS4. But my entire PS4 library uh, that I own is playable on PS5. Right on. It's, um, I can't remember why exactly there's like a few games that don't work, like that are PS4 exclusive. Um, but the PS5 is almost universally backwards compatible. Um, so let's see. All PS4 games that do not work on uh, on PlayStation 5. Afro Samurai 2, Revenge of Kuma Volume 1, which is apparently a really horrible game. Um, so no loss there. Yeah. Hitman Go Definitive Edition, which I've it's apparently a Hitman game, I would guess, but not heard of it. Just sounds, deal with it. Well, if it's, it has Go in the title, that sounds like it's just like a ported mobile game or something. Yeah. Just deal with it, exclamation mark. Robinson the Journey, Shodwin, and We Sing. These sound um, terrible. <laughs> yeah, these sound... Yeah, it doesn't sound like you're missing much. No, these are games <laughs> that I'm like, um, 
Okay. It sounds like they kind of <laughs> like they, they evaluated whether they were gonna make it work, and they're just like, eh, people aren't gonna miss them. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> they have a contract. We really do yeah. can't do much else about it. That reminds me of uh, like the seemingly capricious and arbitrary and hilarious nature of what games would be emulated for the Xbox 360 from the original Xbox. And there'd be like these big releases that they, you know, for whatever reason, they couldn't like optimize or make work for quite some time. But then they'd come out with like Barbie's Horse Adventures. Hitman Go Definitive Edition, if I really want to play it, is apparently available on Steam. And it is a turn-based pseudo board game puzzle game in the using Hitman, the, the Hitman I, uh, thing. IP. Uh, yeah, IP, thank you. Yeah, I mean, that kind of, I don't know, that sounds like... Uh, it sounds like one of those things where it's like it could be a good game in general, like if you like that kind of game, but it's not really, it's so removed from what it yeah. was that it's like, what's the point it, anymore? Yeah, I was looking at it, I'm like, like it, it looks kind of interesting and I, it might actually be right up my alley. Yeah. But you know what? It's on Steam. And you know what? Uh, you know what can run the game? My computer. Well, it just, it's the, all these games strike me as things that must have sounded really good in the pitch me. <laughs> you know, so it's a Hitman game only it's strategy. Well, you know? um, Hitman, the, well, Hitman games are strategy games if you play them right. In my, well, yeah, but that's the point. Is that you know, it's one of those things that you you want to be where they sold that game just to see how they did that. You know. Or I would, because it's going to well, There's, the there's some logic to it in the sense of there might be, you know, people that appreciate the, like, the cerebral aspect of it, the puzzle-solving aspect, but also may not, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, reactionary or twitchy gameplay. Right. Where you just, you know, you can just take all the time you need and, you know, select the thing. Well, yeah, no. And the thing deal with it is a poker game. Yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking them all up now. Um, it, it's a poker game. I see what they um, did there. Right? Shadwin um, actually kind of looks pretty good. It's a third-person uh, stealth survival stealth survival action game, and uh, I'm big into stealth games, so actually kind of looks pretty good. Um, but once again, it's on Steam, so I'm not missing anything there. Um, and I'm guessing We Sing is a singing game. Yeah, it's like Karaoke Revolution or something like that. <laughs> something. Yeah, it's kind of right there in the title. It's like snakes on a plane, right? And it's because of, and the reason it doesn't work on PS5 is because of uh, microphone integration into the controllers. Ah, uh, that makes sense. So, so speaking of which, as that's the next thing I was going to ask you is how does how does the controller compare to the? I don't like it as much as the PS4 controller. Yeah, that's a shame. It's a little more bulky in my hands. And I don't like the the texturing on the on the thumbsticks. See, those the the controller things are so subjective, you know. Yeah. Like everyone has their opinions, and I I don't dislike it per se. It's just the the Dual Sense versus the Dual Shock Four. I prefer the Dual Shock Four. Um, I remember the original fatty Xbox controller, the original Xbox the controller. Duke. Yeah, it's funny because like. Every once in a while, I'd run into someone who's like, "Yeah, I like the the old big controller." I'm like, "Are you out of your mind?" Like, I actually did too. Hands. <laughs> I yeah. have kind of big hands, so I did like the Duke as well. Um, but uh, the Xbox 360 controller is superior. 
I will say this though, as far as like polarizing opinions on controllers, Nintendo is probably the granddaddy of them all because it's like they have the Nintendo 64 controller and the GameCube controller. They the completely Wii controller, changed controller cons- the controller Wii. designs every single system. Yeah, every iteration. It's like, yeah. it's like the weather changes around here. I mean, it's like, oh hey, look, now it's Waggle. Now there's a fucking tablet in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, there, what? Um, one of the aspects of uh, of the PS5 controller that sounded good and I hate is um adaptive triggers adaptive triggers yeah the the uh the l2 and r2 triggers um can uh they they have um you that you can do a half pull and a full pull on them for a a potential of two different inputs um and as a result you can actually put resistance at the half pull um that is it's mechanical essentially the the controller resists you a little bit at the half pull so to go do the full pull you have to pull harder at the lowest setting above off they wore out my fingers so fast Uh, like it was exhausting playing like it it's like doing dumbbell curls with your index fingers that just kind of reminds me when uh some of those controllers from the late 90s would go overboard with their vibration functionality yeah. Like the thing would just be like a giant, like a like a like a phone on a crazy high vibrate setting or something, where it's just like too much. Yeah, I mean, granted, you could usually turn them off, but like you know, some people want the feature without it being like roided out. Of course, a lot of it was like third party controllers too. Yeah, I like the I like the rumble in the in the in the dual sense. Yeah, I like it. You know, it should be subtle, and you know, and it it does it does have distinct rumble regions. It's not like the HD rumble of, of yeah. the Switch uh, Joy-Cons, but um, it does, it, like, you can have, like, when I play Ghost of Tsushima, the wind, uh, you, you, the wind is your compass. It, it guides you uh, to your, you know, your, your destinations. You don't really have waypoints. There are map waypoints, but they're not, they're, you can set them, and then you have to follow the wind because it, you're not going to see anything on the, on the actual in-game screen. Um, you can swipe up on the touchpad to make the wind blow hard for a second so you can re-get your bearings. And the wind will also rumble in your hand on the PS5 controller in the direction that it's blowing, which I think is really cool. Also, I'm really looking forward to Ratchet and Clank uh, 4. Or four. The, the, the one that's on PS5. That's a PS5. Ex- that, that That is legitimately a ps5 exclusive um and not just a game that you can that it was a game that was that was developed from the ground up for ps5 of which there's like four at the moment <laughs> well, guys have we geeked out about it about everything that we can think of at the moment uh no i've got i've got the thing i teased at the beginning but i was saving that for the end all right so anybody else have anything before I go into a thing that I've been geeking out about, but I wouldn't necessarily call a, spo- call a signal boost and maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't emulate me. Um, I got nothing. Uh, go uh, All right. I have been watching on Hulu Sailor Moon. Okay. And I have been doing this specifically from a historical perspective because say what you will about Sailor Moon. And I could say plenty at this point, from having watched about the first 20 or so, 20 or 25 episodes. It is historically important for, uh, for shoujo anime. Um, it is, it is essentially, it is the trope codifier for an entire. Until what now? 
You cut out there. It is the to- trope codifier for an entire genre. That's what I assumed you said, but yes. Specifically, the uh, so-called magical girl warrior um, genre. Yep. Um, I just recently researched this for a book. Yeah, well, so, <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> so it does, it does technically have... Um, it, is, it, it does have, have some um, pieces of, um, of precursing... Uh, concept um there there was a there was a, a manga called princess knight which kind of defined the the main character the main character's trait trait which is you know defeating bad guys and def- uh, uh, your your heroine needs to be cute perky and maybe a little ditzy um, but but yeah cuter and prettier than she is in mode. yeah um and in the 70s uh go nagai who is a who is a name that you recognize if you've done much uh study of um anime um made cutie honey which uh introduced transformations um but really it was sailor moon in uh in the early ni- in the early 90s that that made that that made it so now you've got things like uh um ojiamo doremi um Pretty Cure, other game, uh, other shows that also uh, that also uh, fit into the. Um, I, I can't think of other ones off the top of my head. Um, you've got. Uh, uh, let's just look at the TV tropes page real quick. Let's see. Um, um, you got a lot of. You, you've got a lot of. Uh, what you call it? Deconstructions too, which I can get to. Uh, Magic Knight, Ray Earth. Um, trying to think. Oh yeah, Mil- Mermaid Mil- uh, Melody, Peachy Peachy Pitch. Um, Gesundheit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pretty Cure is one is, is uh, one that really that really uh, jumps to mind. Um, Lyrical Nanoha. Um, and then you've got ones that are complete deconstructions of it, like um, uh, like uh, let's see, which one was it? I can remember. Uh, da, 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 where are you? I saw you, and I was like, yeah, I have to mention you. There it is. Um, no, 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 not that. Sorry. Ah, here it is. Yes. Cute high, cute high Earth Defense Club love, um, which is um, magical boy. <laughs> it's a magical boys. Yes, <laughs> I was like, I re- oh, yeah. <laughs> or the biggest deconstruction that a lot of people would think of is uh, Puella Maggi uh, Madoka Magica, um, wherein yes, you uh, you become a magical girl at the cost of becoming a lich and uh, damning your and dooming your soul to becoming a, a slavering monstrous witch. All in the purpose of uh, fighting entropy. <laughs> um, here's the deal: all of uh, all of those really have Sailor Moon to thank, which was you know a 30 year old anime. Um, and there are things that are about it that are really worth you know that that are that are good and worthwhile. The animation is frankly lovely. Um, I'm a sucker for hand drawn animation, and this is all hand drawn animation because right. it was in the 90s, early 90s. On the other hand, the writing in the first season <laughs> leaves a lot to be desired. What's weird is I did I I remember watching the uh, the old um, Deke um, dub um, a while back, um, and I do remember it getting good. So I know, like at least getting better. I don't know. I don't know if it's ever going to get good, but it got better. <laughs> 
I know that there is better writing to be had if I can get further through the slog of the early episodes, but I am trying to do, uh, but like I said, I'm doing this primarily kind of as an academic exercise because, oh my God, every episode is exactly the same, at least so far. I mean, slightly variations on the premise, but each one is, yes, I will, we will do this thing that will that will drain the, the, the humans of their energy to save our, our dark queen. Um, and then Sailor Moon and friends. Currently, she has two of her, of her four standard friends. Um, Sailor Moon and friends stumble into it. Um, <laughs> like Inspector Gadget? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Happen to bump into Mr. wherever Mr. the Dark Empire um, is doing their thing. And, um, and they, um, they stop it with, um, a very long train, including, uh, like three pieces of stock, uh, animation. I, a la the transformation sequence and the attack sequences, which on the upside have a much higher animation budget on the downside. They really show, they really show when you have a much higher animation budget for that part, for, for some of it. And not so much for others. I'm looking right. forward to it getting better. Well, hold on. When you say stock, do you just mean like it's the same kind of thing over and over? Or do you mean they're literally recycling shots? I mean, they are literally recycling. So the transformation sequence, which is um, about 30-ish seconds long, is exactly the same in every episode. That sounds excruciating. The attacks, the, atta the, the called-out attack animations at least for Sailor Moon's finishers, are the same in every episode. Okay. Now, this is something that I know will get better, uh, but the transformation sequence is a is a trope, and unfortunately just, it's a trope. Um, right. We'll see. Now, the thing about Sailor Moon, you know, say what you will about the writing. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's one of the first times that the girls aren't the... Uh, you know, aren't the supporting characters. Yes. It's like, the series. Mm -hmm. yeah. I agree. Like it, it is incredibly important historically. And uh -huh. I, and I have been watching it for that purpose. Also, right. this is the new Viz uh, dub. So it's, you're not having to deal with um, some of the more fancy woolyisms that you, uh, that you have seen in uh, that, that, that were in the original season, such as um, mm -hmm. Sailor Jupiter, pointing at her chest and re and referencing that since she that she should be the star in the school play because she has the most talent in uh in the actual Japanese dub she just literally comes out and says I should be the lead because my boobs are bigger but I, it, it's it's something like I'm I'm I am enjoying it academically but I'm not sure I'm but I'm not really enjoying it artistically so right. I feel like this is a good enough place to put that yeah uh, well, and that's, yeah, but I, you know, I think you're right in that it's, um, cause you know, I'm researching this, uh, this whole genre, you know, from the point of, uh, from the point of view of a, uh, of a character, you know, in a book and yeah, I, I see the importance of it, even if it's not that high. <laughs> you know? I really actually, I, I think I am doing myself a disservice by watching the nineties show and not just watching Sailor Moon Crystal, which came out in 2014 and is apparently a much more faithful manga adaptation and cuts out a lot of the fat. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I'll watch that too, because I am nothing if not a glutton for punishment. And it's only, you know, 200 episodes. Right. I mean, you, you could go for something slightly less, uh, you know, epic in scope and in uh, was ambitious and just try to, you know, try to watch all of One Piece. Well, I'm actually current on One Piece too, so... So you've been watching that since what 1984? I've been watching. I've been watching One Piece <laughs> since it started. Uh, so yes, <laughs> I'm current on One Piece the hard way. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, so, I don't know. It might be the. It's it's the. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's the hard way or the, or the easy way, but uh, the long way. I am definitely <laughs> current on One Piece the long way. This is true. Um, and being able to watch it on stream does help because you can skip the. Um, transformation sequences and the um, like each episode of Sailor Moon is only like 16 minutes long when you cut out everything that uh, that gets repeated in every episode uh, <laughs> but like I said I know it gets better and I'm looking forward to seeing it turn and I'm pretty sure it starts to turn around the 50th episode of the first season because this is uh, this is old 50th. school yeah this is old school seasons of anime where it was uh, which where, where it was a weekday daily uh, release schedule. Gotcha. Anyhow, that's my last thing, which it's it's seriously geeking out about stuff because I'm literally doing it only because I am a geek for the for the uh, for the for the art form. I was going to say cultural significance. Yes, and not mm. actually to derive pleasure out of the out of the uh, out of the actual consumption of the media directly. That does right. kind of amuse me, the concept of the scholarly viewing of Sailor Moon. Well, it's it it is historically important. What do you want from me? <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm not denigrating, it's just it's just a funny concept inherently in my opinion. <laughs> right. Given the subject matter. Because it's just like, you know. We think of think of these like old stodgy types like, you know, like in their studies with all these leather bound books, like puffing their pipes and watching Sailor Moon. Smoking jackets. <laughs> I do say this is fascinating. You know, um, <laughs> d- uh, shout outs to uh, Dr. Nicholas White of uh, of Missouri State University's uh, film and uh, theater department, who is the uh, who is the um, what you call it sponsor of the Japan of the anime club and does in fact hold classes on anime. Um, I don't think he's ever done one on Sailor Moon, but because uh, he he tends to try and he, instead of doing a an in depth study of of a of any particular one show, he tends to show a variety of things and and speak about it artistically. But he does so from an artistic appreciation of the medium. He's a cool guy and wicked smart. Wicked smart. All right. Well, um, I am out of things. Did anybody else think of anything else they wanted to contribute before we drag this episode to a close? I think I'm good. No, I'm I'm tapped out. Um, like I say, we'll. I'm. I apologize again for the schedule slip. Um, I've got. I only got so many spoons, and I got a lot of plates to spin. Only so many spell slots, right? Yeah. <laughs> But I, I've I've got some stuff going that might help that help in that regard here soonish. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, this has been Neil, the one true Ben, and Mike, and uh, this has been Geek Fanthology. This podcast is a recording of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter Q, which honestly doesn't get enough love, and the number eighty-five thousand two hundred ninety-six. 
The opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media. We really do appreciate. We do really do depend on word of mouth for advertising. Also, please consider sending us an email or leaving us a comment. Or if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube or wherever, doing whatever it is that you can do to build the algorithm so that we're a little bit more discoverable. We really appreciate it. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider making a donation so that we can maybe pay for advertising or better equipment or something along those lines. Either a one-time donation on our website at www.workingtheoryproductions.com or on our Patreon recurringly at patreon.com slash working theory. It would really mean a lot to us. A final thought. Begging for money right after right right uh, after such a huge amount of schedule slip? Maybe not the best look, but we do apologize for the for the delays. Life has been rough.